Uh, Take your Bibles now and open up to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. And if you're here visiting and wonder what in the world is wrong with this church, you know. (laughs) As soon as you're in charge, you can do whatever you want to, so. Let's pray. Father, would you bless your word now in our time of fellowship? We are so thankful to you. We're so grateful. And Lord, we want to be in awe of you and humbled. Lord, as I would take a little bit of time, precious time, valuable time, and and dote over my son, Lord, you would and have done the same for us. You have doted over your kids. And so now would you abundantly feed us and minister to us. I pray for wisdom and teaching, Lord, this portion, and for your heart and for ears to hear. Holy Spirit, would you change us? We don't just want information. We want transformation. We want to be different. We want to acknowledge those things in our lives that are not of you. Just put them away. We want to be more like you. We truly do. And so Jesus, grow us today. If there's anybody here that's not a believer, you're not a Christian, God loves you so much. We brought you here today to forgive you of your sins, to save you, and to use you until the day you die. Give your life to Jesus today. Father, we thank you for this time. Would you honor it now? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Before we get into chapter 8, would you bring your attention back up to verses 15, 16, and 17? John in heaven sees now the tribulation saints. That is, saints that miss the rapture. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They maybe have an intellectual awareness of him, but not a heartfelt connection to him. Maybe they went to church, but they weren't part of the church. Something happened, and when the rapture happens, detailed in chapters 4 and 5, the church is rescued from planet Earth. There are billions of people left. And during that time known as the Great Tribulation or the Wrath of God, the seven-year judgment where the Antichrist rises up, a political leader, and for seven years there's upheaval and mayhem. During that time, though, this is what we've been underscoring for the last four weeks in chapter 7, During that time, God is saving people because that's what Jesus does. John 3, 17, for the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. That's the heart of God. And so now these tribulation saints, those who are saved after your friends, your family, your brothers, your sisters, your sons, your daughters, your coworkers, your employees, your employer, the people that you share the love of Jesus with here, and it didn't stick yet, and it will later, and they get saved. And John sees that innumerable crowd showing up to heaven. Listen, out of the tribulation. Life's tough, is it not? Can I just get it? Life is tough, okay? It's going to be way tough then. And here's what John sees. Verse 15 says, Therefore, they're before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Verse 16, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore, and the sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Guys, John was a pastor. He was a tender guy, and he was living in much persecution and suffering, and so God showed John, hey, John, I made you the way you are, tender. You know why? Because I'm tender. And you know what I'm going to do with humanity? 
I'm going to save as many as will let me. I'm going to save them. And the ones that were hungry, they're not going to starve anymore. The ones that were thirsty, they're not going to thirst anymore. The tears, I'm going to take care of that. Can you imagine the healing balm this was and the encouragement to John, Pastor John, when he saw the heart of Jesus Christ? Because John had seen craziness, evil, unparalleled evil, Domitian, the ruling emperor of the world, killing Christians by the millions. And yet Jesus said, I got a plan for that. Hunger, thirst, starvation, death, they're going to be with me. Now I say that for you who are Christians here today and are carrying the message of Jesus Christ in your hearts to the masses. And when people look at you and say, is you believe in God? Then explain the sufferings of this world. If God is so good, then why is there abuse victims? Why are there rape victims? Why is there starvation? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Interesting. You who, and I who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Ah, Lord, what's happening? The Lord says, I gave you that thirst. I got a plan for it. I too want reconciliation. I too want to fix it. Understand from chapters 8 to chapters 19 is the fix it plan. The judgment of a God-forsaking, Christ-rejecting, sinful world. A world that for thousands of years has says, we'll do it our way. Did you know that doing it our way has led us to having it our way? Right now, we have it our way, okay? And let's just be honest, as Americans, it's actually not that bad. My wife and I were watching a movie three nights ago, Netflix. It's called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Some of you have read the books and true story. This young boy in Malawi, very poor farmer, and he goes to school for a couple bucks and drought hits and he can't go to school anymore. Long story short, he's, he's motivated. And he learns how to run solar power and he harnesses the wind and creates a pump system to irrigate his village's crops and he saves everybody. Heart-wrenching. And as I was watching, I couldn't help but feel guilty. It shows scenes of the mom and dad sleeping together in a room on what looks like a bed, but it's not with a blanket and just... And they, they had nothing, nothing. And all they wanted to do was grow a little bit so that way they didn't die. That was their whole goal. Hey, let's, let's go to work every day so we don't die. Most of us are going to work every day so we can retire well or go on a vacation someday or buy that latest thing. And I get it, I get it. Nothing, there's nothing sinful about that. And yet I was watching going, oh man, I got a lot of blankets upstairs. I have an upstairs, you know. I got, the list goes on and on. And you can't help but look at the imbalance of the world. The pain, even within our own society. And having stuff is not a sin. It's when it's unappreciated or misstewarded. Let me just ask a quick question, make sure I'm talking to the right people. How many of you guys have more than you need? Dang it. Me too. Way more than I need. I actually need more closets for the stuff I don't need. You know what I'm saying? I got, my closets are full. I need more closets for the stuff I don't need. I don't need it. It's crazy. There's people that don't have what we have. 
Did you know that 41 million people in America today will get hunger pains and not be able to go to the fridge? 41 million people in America every day. 41 million in America struggle with hunger. 800 million people in the world struggle with hunger every day. It's crazy. I, I didn't do any statistics on the amount of food that is thrown away in America per, per day, but it's, it's millions of tons. Okay, it's just excess food. It's, it's just, it's an, it's, a, it's imbalance. What happened? And, and, and the powers that be say, we're going to have it our way. We got this. And the world's broken. Absolutely broken. And it's not that there's not enough food. People will say, Where, where's God? People starving to death. Did you know that there is enough food right now, as right now, to feed every single person in the world liberally? Okay, there's plenty of food. There's plenty of water. Now just zoom out. God's like, I, I, here's everything you need. Just like Kanye West's new song. We have everything we need. You know, if you haven't heard it yet, download it. And yet, because of sin and selfishness and sadness, we, we don't, sh- it's just, it doesn't work. There's an imbalance. This is why Jesus is coming back, amongst other reasons. Because of the suffering and the pain and the sin and the selfishness. And this, it's just crazy. And I want you to believe that from the bottom of your heart when you wonder, I don't know if I want the Lord to come back. I've got things pretty good. Well, pretty good for you. I do too. My wife and I have been supporting people in other countries through uh, organizations monthly since we've been married, 18 years now. Sometimes two, three kids at a time, just it's the least we could do to help out. We've, we've supported kids from when they're super young, and, they, and then as soon as they turn 18, they don't receive money anymore, and they give us a letter, your, your kid's graduated, they're an adult now, good job, you kept them educated and fed and medicated and got them through it. There's anything we can do. Look at verse 17, he says, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's so good. John needed to see this. When the vision was over, John was stuck right where he was at. He would be released from Patmos. You know what he would do? Write the revelation down and disseminate it to all the churches. He would get after it. He would go to all the churches and say, guys, 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 gals, 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 guys, ah, you know. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Why? Because Jesus isn't done. Because there's a whole plan. There's a whole thing going down. Let's stay strong. John would write John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. Five books of the New Testament. So motivated. I want you guys to be motivated. Jesus said, I will be their shepherd. Shepherds have rods and staves and oil, and they lead and they guide, they rebuke, they comfort. And I just want you guys to know that in heaven, we will have the shepherd with us. Here on earth, we too have the shepherd, do we not? He's shepherding us. Though life gets rough, life gets tough. You who have kids know what it's like to take care of your children as a shepherd, as a lover. Not always easy. On the flight back from L.A. last week, I was sitting in the back of the plane because I was with my wife and three kids. And when you buy plane tickets, if you say you have kids, they put you in the back of the plane where all the weird kids sit. <laughs> you guys know this. You know, you don't tell them you're bringing kids. You'll sit up front, you know. And so the kid right behind me, and I was kicking my chair the whole time. Just, he was like a ninja, you know, and I was like, Bah, and I, and it was, I didn't care. So I was like, you know, and, and the kid next to me, this baby man, was not happy about air travel at all. And, and, and here's the deal. Those kids were being cared for. They were flying from L.A. to Portland. What, what a privilege. They were being shepherded, yet they were mad and upset and resisting and frustrated. 
And yet they were being cared for at a high level. Steward walking around, you want some water? You know, some juice? You know, free stuff. And, and in this life, we, it gets gnarly sometimes, but we do have a shepherd now. We will have a shepherd there. You might be kicking and screaming at right now, throwing a fit. Okay, you need to just look around and say, oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm too blessed. Lord, I'm, uh, too blessed to what? Too blessed to stress, that's for sure. Too blessed to be a weirdo and selfish and small. I love repenting. I'm just kind of general sin. Just, man, I'm just, Lord, oh, forgive me of my sins. I'm such a knucklehead. Repent of your specific sins, too, the stuff you shouldn't be doing, like, don't, don't mess around. But when you just get mad and frustrated, then you repent. Okay? Say, Lord, you're so good. You have been so good to me. He's got a plan. Now, read with me what happens next. I want to show you the next six verses in succession. Because in chapter 7, there's a break in the seal breaking. Seal number 1, there's seven seals. Seal number 1, 2, and 3, and 4 and five and six have been broken. And before the seventh and final seal is broken and the scroll is opened, the 144,000 were sealed as well and many people were saved and there was a pause. But now the seventh seal, the final seal on this scroll, which will enable the Lord to open the scroll up and to read it, to look upon it, to observe it. And all of heaven will lean in and see the title deed to planet earth. Listen, and the buyback process. If you foreclose on your home, you lose the title deed. But there is a clause within there that if you can meet the needs, the standards, the requirements, you can get it back. The title deed is about to be opened. Look what happens in verse 1 through verse 6. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels. I believe this next portion happens in silence. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, an eighth angel, having a golden censer, came and he stood at the altar and he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer and he filled it with fire from the altar and he threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Stop right there, eyes up here. This scene, I believe, happens in silence. That when the seventh seal pops open, all of heaven ceases to make noise. Up until this time, there's been four and 20 elders worshiping and screaming and noises and thunderings and lightnings and flashings and innumerable crowds singing the salvation song of the saints and the four living creatures. It's been pretty noisy in heaven up until now. And all of a sudden, that seventh seal is broken. In my mind, I call this the Thanos effect. If you guys saw the movie with Thanos when he snaps and it goes silent. And it's evident that things have changed. And maybe when this seal is broken and the scroll is open, all of heaven looks upon the title deed and what must happen next in order to redeem the God-forsaking, Christ-rejecting, sinful world. And I want you to have your heart stop as you consider 
Now, is 30 minutes of silence a long time or a little time? And when you read that, is that weird? Like 30 minutes of silence, like that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. Did that really happen? That's kind of weird. You know, 30 minutes of silence is only weird and awestruck in context to what's happening before and after. I don't have the time actually right now, but if I want to demonstrate one minute of silence. See, it didn't work, it didn't work. 30 minutes of silence! And commentators argue and speculate what is really going on and what's happening during this time. Some commentators speculate that this 30 minutes of silence is indicative that in heaven there are no Democrats. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Which is, rid- I would never say that. That's ridiculous. Which, by the way, there will be no Democrats in heaven. Or Republicans. Okay? We will not be known by our political parties. Amen? You understand that? That is not, okay, how the Lord looks at you. Just so you know. Okay. His sons and daughters. His sons and daughters. What's the going on here? Why is it silent? I believe it's because this awe, this effect, the redemption of God is about to be metered out. Now, let me tune you Bible students into what I'm going to assume because we're going to go into what I would say is a lot of speculation. Every commentator, every teacher is going to have their different slant and who's angels and what's going on and what it happens. And as we look at verses 7 through the end of this chapter and the cataclysmic events that come from the hurling of this censer, okay, a censer is a golden pot with chains that would be held by the angel that would be swinging, full of fire, full of incense that as the incense burns, the smoke comes out and fills the temple with that odor. Mixed with the fire and the fragrance and the incense was the prayers of the saints. And I speculate and I submit to you this, that the holy hush in heaven, 30 minutes of heaven, is when the prayers of the saints are mingled with the incense of the Lord that is his beauty and perfection taking your prayers, the prayers of the saints. And God stops all of heaven and says, I'm listening to my kids. All the prayers from John's day to this day. When my kids draw something for me or create something for me or have something to share, you know what they get? My attention. I listen to them. I think it's pretty amazing that you and I as believers can receive from God in his spirit. Have you received from God in his spirit as he spoke to you? He has me. Or in his creation? You see God, I was driving yesterday down one and I just saw the Lord everywhere. It's I received from the Lord in his word. It's amazing. You know what's even more amazing? Maybe a thousand times more amazing? Not that I can hear the Lord, but that the Lord hears me. Do you know this about your prayers? He hears them all. All of heaven's blabbering and shouting and partying prayers of the saints quiet for 30 minutes the lord listens to the prayers and i believe then listen begins to answer those prayers in the judgments metered out on a sinful painful selfish world in the fire and the aroma of the 
fragrance. Because let's just be honest, how many of you guys are perfect prayer warriors? You're perfect. You've always prayed right. You've always prayed the right thing. Anybody? Anybody here? How many of you guys pray enough? Anybody here pray enough? Anybody here pray enough? No? No? We're all kind of weak in our prayer life. The Lord says, I take your prayers and I'm going to add my incense. I'm going to add my part. This is beautiful. Okay. The Lord hears you and then he adds his power and his strength. He loves to hear your voice. We don't pray very often. We're just, if I was to speculate and not everyone wouldn't fall into this category, maybe two or three of you have a great prayer life, but Christians are getting softer and softer in the disciplines. Prayer is one of the things that we don't do as often as I believe we could and should. If we believed in the power of prayer, we actually would pray more. If we believed that God would pray or answer our prayers like we want, we would pray more. The disciples, when they walked with Jesus, they asked him to teach them one thing in three years, one thing. And it wasn't making water into wine, which is what I would have chose. Because <laughs> that's a good trick. Lord, teach us that trick, you know. No, the disciples said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? It's evident that there's something going on here. We're good guys. You're a great guy. But you pray more and differently than we Would you teach us to pray? Not how to pray, like the mechanics of prayer. Teach us the discipline of prayer, the art of prayer. See, prayer is interesting because it's never the same. Have you ever prayed a short, quick, easy prayer and seen an answer? Did that ever happen to you? Last night when the organ ducks were trailing, I prayed that they would <laughs> I prayed that they would score a touchdown. And a minute later they did. <laughs> I prayed that they would win and they lost. Like, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> Have you ever prayed a quick, easy prayer? Remember when Elijah prayed? Elijah prayed this prayer. He was with the prophets of Baal, and he said, Lord, I'll paraphrase, Lord. Prove that you are God right now. Fire from heaven. Consume the altar. Okay? And God proved himself just with a simple request. Same chapter, same day. God tells Elijah, now pray for rain. So Elijah goes and prays for rain. Does it rain? No. He prays again. Does it rain? No. He gets on his knees, head between his knees, in the position of birth in those days. Labor. And he labors in prayer. He prays again for rain. Does it, does it rain? No. Does it rain? No. Seven times. And finally, he sees a cloud. You guys know the story. What, what gives, Lord? Sometimes I pray a quick, easy prayer. Lord, save me. And Peter was saved. Okay, very quick prayer. You should be able to pray quick and easy prayers. But you should also not be fearful, listen, of the laborsome prayers, the long prayers. Have you prayed for a person in your life to be saved and they're not yet? Don't quit. Don't quit. Labor. Have you prayed for our community, for our town, for our churches, and been disappointed by certain things? Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't get it confused. Have you prayed for something that's good and right, and you believe even the Lord has spoken to you, and it hasn't come to fruition? God told Elijah, pray. Pray for rain. Oh, okay, this will be an easy one. God told him to pray, and it didn't happen. What? I need you guys to understand this. See, because here's what happens. When we pray, quick, easy prayers, and things happen, it's awesome. But usually our head gets kind of big, and we get kind of weird, and we buy a website that says, I pray quick, easy prayers.com, you know, and <laughs> write a book about it, and we get weird. So the Lord says, I'm going to give you a couple hard, hard ones too. Because prayer isn't just to change stuff. Prayer changes stuff. You know what prayer also changes? It changes me. It changes me. 
we've been looking for property here at the church for a while now, maybe five or six years, maybe seven. I chose to lose count. And I've had a lot of good ideas, a lot of good ideas that I told the Lord he should do. <laughs> Some really good ones. And he hasn't done any of them. And I keep praying for a specific piece of land. And I, you know what, though? You know what the Lord's doing in all that? He's changing me. And I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm fine with it. What's he going to do in the future with the church? I don't know. What's he doing with me? He's making me trust. He's making me calm. He's making me grateful. He's making me patient. All those things that aren't going to come from quick, easy prayers. So you may be mad right now. You've been praying for your spouse, praying for a spouse. Praying for something for many years. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. Didn't happen the way I wanted. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. And I believe here God says, you know what? The prayers of the saints are heard, and they're mixed with my incense, and they're going to have an effect and an impact on the world. Don't quit. Because we got a lot of quit in us, don't we? we got a lot of quit in us. Because things get stacked against us. And yet prayer changes us. Prayer equips us. Prayer makes us the people that God wants us to be. I get so fixated on the things around us. I'm just going to say, God's very creative and commanding in his prayer. We saw in the text I just read the seven angels with the seven trumpets. Man, trumpets to us don't mean much. In those days, trumpets were a big deal. Sound the alarm. Gather the forces. Here we go. Trumpets. Reminds me of the children of Israel in the book of Joshua. Remember they were to march around Jericho? How many times? Seven times. And then they were to blow what? Trumpets and the walls were to come down upon a God-forsaking sinful people. There would be some saved in, in Jericho. Who, who was saved? Rahab and her family. Believers. It was a, it's a parallel. Here's the crazy thing. Did you know that Joshua instructed them, march around. Listen, this is what he, and he said, and be quiet. Completely silent. And then march around once per day. And then on the seventh day, we're going to march around seven times. And on the seventh time, we're going to shout. And when we shout, the walls will come down. It's a silence. Speaking of God listening, can you imagine what that was like? And by the way, can you imagine walking around the walls every day for a week? I'm going to tell you what that would actually do. Those were big walls, 14 feet thick, okay, impenetrable. And as they had these prayer walks, I'm just going to be human for a second. It would actually become daunting. This is too much. What are we doing? This is too big. How, how are we going to pull this off? And every day they would get more and more aware of the bigness of their problems in prayer. Until what? Until the Lord answered it. And guess who got the credit when the walls came down? The trumpeteers? Some real powerful trumpet playing you got there. Kenny G, you know, it's really good. Oh, wait, that's a saxophone. I don't even know a trumpet player, you know. And they would all say, no way. And what the Lord's been doing in my heart, in, in this little town, as we've been looking for land as, as one prayer point for my life, I am convinced Okay, that when, when it does happen, I'm not, uh, God's going to get the glory. 
It's too big. It's too big for me. It's too big for our community. It's too big for the church. It's just too big. Okay? We don't, we don't have to do this stuff. Okay? But as we continue to pray, the fact that you're here, the fact that I'm here, is an absolute miracle of God. The walls in my own life have been overcome. The issues that I dealt with that kept the Lord out have been taken away. And the things that you're dealing with right now, maybe it's grief, getting beyond something that's walled you in, something that's taken you out. You just feel like you're boxed in and you're on day five of your circuit. And the Lord would say, keep praying. Keep going. Don't give up. I'm going to impact the world. I'm going to. And the Lord wants to use you and me in the process. God answers our prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and later. Some people struggle because their prayers haven't been answered. They actually have been answered. Every time. We just don't always like the answer. You ever pass on the answer? Pass. Next, you know. But I think more often, it's the Lord working on my heart, changing me, making me more humble, more worshipful. You could become, in every situation of your life, bitter, or you can become better. It's a choice. The odds are stacked against you, are they not? They always will be. You who are young families, the odds are stacked against you. You who are newly married, the odds are stacked against you. You who are getting older, the odds are stacked against you. You who are single, you who are running a business, the odds are stacked against you. What are you going to do? Pray. Pray. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. There are those who won't pray for various reasons. And let me end with this thought and just chew on this. I wanted to get through chapter 8, but you guys just, man. It gets really, it wasn't quite a Thanksgiving message. After here, it gets weird. You know, so. If prayer to you is work, you'll only do it as often as you need to. But if prayer to you is a conversation with the one who loves you more than anyone else, you will do it as often as you can. When a young couple is in love, they will go to great lengths to be in each other's presence. They will skip work. They will get up early. They'll stay up late. They'll create special rendezvous. When they're in love, they will make time. When a couple is madly in love with each other, even in the midst of others and crowds, they're locked in on each other. If prayer for you is work, you'll do it when you need it. It'll happen. And that's how most of us are. <sighs> Gotta pray. Can you imagine if that's how you treated your spouse? Well, there's my wife. Guess I better talk to her. <laughs> Whoa. Not cool. 
Imagine that. How do, how do you talk to the Lord? See, a lot of us have self-doubt, self-criticism, self-hatred, self... We just don't think the Lord likes us, you know? Why would you want to talk to me? Okay. God sent his son to die for you. He loves you so much. He loves you. He loves to hear your voice. He is so fantastically patient. I do my best as a flawed, sinful dad to honor my kids, and it's just nothing compared to the way that the Lord honors us. This morning, I made room in my car for my daughter, stuff in the way, and I just grabbed all this stuff out of the way. And my daughter, with eight-year-old great joy, said, Daddy! It's so just joy. And it brought the biggest smile to my face. She just loves me. Wouldn't it be awesome if we repented of our misunderstanding of life, of judgment, what's going on, the Lord, why is he coming to do this? What's, what's going on? Because the world's imbalanced. It's hurting. And like John received that revelation during this Thanksgiving season, to be thankful, to be zealous, as it says in Proverbs 23, for the things of the Lord. I'm going to have Pastor Ryan come. He's going to lead us in a song. I just want to encourage you guys as we take communion now, as we celebrate the Lord's table together, An opportunity lies before you to seek first the things of heaven and God's kingdom and his righteousness. And he promises all these other things shall be added unto you. He promises you that. Let's be kingdom seekers today and this week and in our lives. Zealous for the things of the Lord. Watchful for the things of the enemy. For there is a hereafter, and our hope will not be cut off. What a gift. Most of you want to see fruit in your life. You want to enjoy life to a greater degree. And I believe God's going to give you more if you promise to give it away. If you promise to give away the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to be more full of joy and satisfaction and happiness and strength, purpose, purity, and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and meekness and gentleness and self-control, you want that. The Lord will give you more than you could even handle if you give it away. And this takes a decision in your heart. The Bible says about the fruit of the Spirit that there is no law. Think of the law as like a speed limit. There's a speed limit outside on 101, apparently. You gotta stop. You can't go any faster. There's no law for the fruit of the Spirit. There's just not, there's no, there's no limit. You're the limiter. I'm the limiter. 
I'm the weirdo. I'm the one who gives, oh, I'll give you a little bit, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have enough for everybody. No, that's not what it, there's no law. Love covers a multitude of sins. You can't outgive the Lord. His love is demonstrated in his body broken, his blood spilled. Lord, as we prepare to take communion, we repent of our sins, our gross sins, our perversions, our rebellions. We repent. Lord, we repent. And as we come to the table, we acknowledge that your blood and body is sufficient, that our sins are forgiven, that our hope is sure, that our lives are powerful because they've been mingled with you, the incense of heaven, that you hear and see everything, and you will one day make all things right. Until then, would you walk with us to a greater degree, more fruit, that we might be fruitful in all things we do. We love you, Jesus, so much. We examine ourselves now. Proclaim your death until you return. How long, O Lord? How long? May our hearts be softened now. And if you're here this morning and the Sunday before Thanksgiving, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ wholeheartedly, 100%. You want him to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you of your sins, to walk with you until you die, to empower you to live a life, not for yourself, but for his glory and for others' good. You want to submit to him and have him be your king. Would you right now just raise up your hand? In Jesus' name. See hands going up. In Jesus' name. Repent to the Lord. Raise up your hand to him in Jesus' name. It's between you and him. Say, yes, Jesus, be my king. Let me be your servant. Let me live for you. Hands everywhere, Lord. In Jesus' name, would you do what only you can do? We love you. We trust you. And we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.